Hello and welcome into another episode of Fox and Fallon. It is episode 29, ironically approaching the 31st episode of our podcast. Because, <laughs> We're like um, one off. But I, yeah, well, I mean, we'll I, to- it, it would have been really nice to synchronize yeah. Halloween, or maybe yeah. we will. Halloween with the 31st episode. I don't know. Spooky as hell, this episode of the podcast. Who doesn't have a sports boner this morning for the New England Patriots? And that often says they absolutely mauled, destroyed. Give me another adjective to describe last night's debacle. 33 to nothing. New England Patriots over their division rival, the New York Jets. Tanya Ray Fox, make an introduction. Let me stop talking. Well, I'm just going to say, I mean, you asked who doesn't have a sports boner this morning, and I'm going to be honest, I don't think Sam Darnold's ever going to have a boner again after that game. He's going to be be completely flaccid. Lifelong therapy. I really, someone asked me, they said, will Sam Darnold ever recover from this? And I said, absolutely not. I said, (laughs) I I think he will have nightmares of ghosts and goblins until next September. Well, into, until Adam Gase gets fired off of that coaching yeah, that's, staff. That's the that's the actual problem. Is it's not it's not Sam it's Darnold's not, fault. Yeah, it's, it's Adam it's, Gase. It's, 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 it's a crazy eyes, McGee. We should have known it from the beginning when he came into that press conference looking like he'd taken every pill he'd ever found <laughs> in his life. That was the real warning sign, and they ignored it. And this is what you get. You know, it's just this is where this is where we're at, Courtney. Yeah, New York Jets. Be careful what you wish for, because the Patriots defense was so disgusted by what Sam Darnold said earlier that week that they were going to attack the Patriots' weaknesses and all of the weaknesses that they went out and absolutely killed this kid in front of the entire country on national television. We will give our thoughts. hold on, Courtney. Do you think that that's why he was seeing ghosts? Because he's also dead? Yeah. (laughs) Do you think they killed him and that's... So when you die, you also see that, you know, that they say that you start to see the people that have gone before uh, have you, you. Have you watched um, the Sixth Sense movie way too many times? Are I you mean, a really big Haley Joel Osment fan? I think so. <laughs> Let's stay on topic here because we're going to go out and obviously talk about this football game. We are going to give our thoughts on the Patriots defense, the Patriots offense, a little trade that happened earlier yesterday morning, Mohamed Sanu. Brought over from the Atlanta Falcons to the New England Patriots. And oh, by the way, on this episode of the Fox and Fallon podcast, we have Patriots defensive captain Devin McCourty on the podcast. That's right. We actually have an interview for you guys at the end of this. Yeah. And you're going to sit through all of our incredible analysis and chat about the game because you are loyal listeners who will listen to everything all the way until the extra special interview we have for you at the end. It's actually a really fantastic interview and um, it's going to make headlines. But you know, I'm going to say right now, you won't understand anything that's happening unless you listen to every single word of this podcast until then. All of this is context for that interview. I just, I'm going to say that right now, even though it may not be true, because the experts have told me, make sure everybody stays through the whole podcast. We get that listenership. We're trying yes. to build it up. So okay. yes. you won't understand anything we talk about with Devin McCordy unless you listen all the way through. Okay, yeah, yeah we get it, we get it. <laughs> Tanya's in like a like a certain kind of mood that like, it's kind of dark. It's you're, No, 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 your behavior today is very, we're, we're stepping into Scorpio season. You're being, you're like, you're, you're like Scorpio. Yeah, we're, le- we're leaving Libra season and my soul is sad. Yeah, your soul is very sad. So, you know, that's just to be expected. <gasps> okay, let's get right into the topics. Hold on a second. It is amazing. Yes, Devin McCourty on the podcast. I'm pretty sure that, um, 
all of the kids in Sam Darnold's neighborhood are going to dress up as Devin McCourty for Halloween and scare the shit out of him. That has to be the scariest thing they could they could encounter. I, I really hope he doesn't, That you know, he wakes up in the morning on Halloween and eats his avocado and ghost. Oh, avocado and ghosts. Is, is, that, did you know that that's like, that's, that's the number one staple on Melrose Avenue. Like ghost. all across the park. Avocado ghosts. Avocado ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, after that debacle last night, Tanya, like I'm, I'm pretty sure that Sam is going to call the Dustbusters because they got to clean up that, that dis- disaster mess that he left on the field. You know, it's, it's not a pretty scene. I think I actually heard them talking about that on the uh, Ghost Game Show on ESPN. Ghost Game Show, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the one that, that Adam Schefter talked about Tom Brady leaving um, next year, and then Randy Moss just snatched, Speaking the, of ghosts. snatched, snatched the soul <laughs> out of him. Adam Schefter is also now deceased <laughs> after Randy, Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Let's play this audio for real quick. Yeah, you guys have to hear this. You know, with, with what you're saying, Adam, that's very shocking. Where do you see him going? Well, I, I, I'll say that. But really, he put him on the spot. The look on his face, like, he's like, play a please. <laughs> play a please. It's also so Who embarrassing. Oh, my God. This is a thing that people do. I know we're getting off topic, but this is a thing people do in the media now where it's like, you have one of Tom Brady's very good friends sitting at the table. And you're like yelling about this, like, Tom Brady conspiracy theory, which is all it is really right now. And, and Randy's just waiting. He's waiting. It's like. If you're Adam Schefter, who's one of the best reporters on the planet, maybe talk to the guy who's quite literally close friends with the dude you're making shit up about. See what he thinks before he roasts your ass on national television. Yes. I digress. Courtney? Listen, um, Tanya, you know, I think that um, Twitter last night was made for the uh, the East Coast elite. <laughs> Is the East Coast elite? They were, um, <laughs> they were having a field day. Courtney, they, I don't, I'm honestly really just grateful for Sam Darnold that Stephen Gostkowski wasn't kicking last night. <laughs> could have been a tough day. It could have been really, really spooky if Gostkowski was. A, you know, nothing made Belichick more excited. Uh, maybe candy costumes, Randy Moss. You know, a Halloween party. <laughs> then back-to-back delay of game penalties to firm that made him the happiest person in the world. It was it was almost like um, Friday the 13th, seeing him smile on national TV. It really did remind me of a horror movie. I've always said that when Bill Belichick smiles, a puppy dies. <laughs> <laughs> Tanya, this... This intro is getting way too Halloween spooky for me. Uh-oh. I think I see dead people. I want to tell you my secret now. I see dead people. By the way. Courtney. Let's get into the show, Tanya. How about that? I don't know if you guys heard. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Definitely didn't hear. The Sam Darnold was seeing ghosts last night. Oh, my. But, like, he's crying. Yeah. No. No, no, no. But... For real, the national audience was introduced to NFL Mic'd Up in a whole new way last night. Sam Darnold was caught on the sidelines after his first pick. That's the sad part. Is it was his first of four interceptions of the night. Yeah. Um, where he was caught on the sidelines saying that he was kind of seeing ghosts out there. The Jets did not take kindly to NFL Films and ESPN airing this. Let's be honest. Suck so it up. I'm going to give you guys a little background, which I learned through researching this today. Um, the way it works is that a representative of NFL Films listens to the players' comments as the game's going on and then approves them for a live broadcast. Mm-hmm. So there is a vetting process. Okay. And their aim is normally to not post anything or put anything on the broadcast that's 
sheds any bad light on either team because mm-hmm. it's an ongoing game, so you're trying to be fair. Mm-hmm. So Jets coach Adam Gase was unhappy with the fact that it was aired, and he thinks that there's like a way that it could have jeopardized the team's future, and you know he oh said that God. they're going to be looking into it pretty hard. He said he was really disappointed about hearing about it after the game, and that he's never really seen something like that be aired. Oh yeah, and he also also opened his podium post game press conference by saying that was brutal. I didn't expect that. Terrible in all three phases of the game, taking a page from, I don't know, the guy on the other side of the field. Yeah. And said that they sucked. Yeah. So what else is he going to do? He has nothing to explain in his post-game press conference other than they just choked on their own vomit. Yeah, so that's kind of the point, right? Is that, And that's sort of what we're going to talk about right now, which is basically... You know, you get to the podium after a game like that. You're at home. You get your asses handed to you by a divisional rival. It was an embarrassing performance. Uh, As good as the Patriots' defense was, the Patriots' offense was, you know, they were on their game as well, dealing with injuries and everything else. There was really no excuse. There's never any excuse to score zero points in an NFL game. Mm -hmm. So they get to the podium, and what we're listening to is this morning is Adam Gaze whining about NFL films using audio. Now listen. Have I heard, I will say this, I was a little surprised when I heard it on the broadcast because it was unusually sort of inside. Mm -hmm. You don't normally hear a quarterback criticizing themselves on the sideline. However, the Jets this past week have been in a little bit of a scrum with their guard, Kelechi Osemele. They have, they fired their GM after letting him draft their entire draft class this year. There are some things going on that I'm not 100% sure people are... I think they're losing respect for them as an organization. And I want to know, Courtney. Yeah. Do you think that, number one, the Jets have a right to talk about its soundbite after a game, after a loss that bad? And number two, is this a situation where there are people around the league, including the broadcasters, who are starting to say, listen, if you're going to be this bad and if you're going to run an organization this poorly, we're not going to do your work for you. I think that the latter is more more accurate depiction of what's going on here. Listen, we said this, I think, in one of the first episodes that we aired. We saw the train wreck that was coming. Adam Gase was hired. Yes, they fired their GM, Mike McCagnin. They were GM-less. And they let Adam Gase, because he clearly, he pushed his own general manager out the fucking door. And he was in complete control of the personnel moves of that team for a hot second because... He was having a hissy fit about things not going his way the second that he walked into the building. And that is a problem, especially in the number one market in the country, especially when you are the redheaded stepchild of the New York Giants, one of the greatest franchises also in all of Also a nickname for Sam Darnold. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. The redheaded stepchild. Poor kid. Yeah, poor kid. Exactly. Poor Prince Harry, you know. No, um, that's true. No, no, no. Um, Adam Gase is, is the fucking problem here. And... I also think that just with the way that he he started to do things and our predictions that we had early in the season, for sure, I thought for sure that the Jets were going to dysfunctionally allow Adam Gase to continue to run the organization as an interim GM basically up until the season started because you knew what was going to happen, that they were going to see everything flying off the rails and they were going to be like, we need to stop this train wreck right now and bring in a real guy. Well, they fixed that problem and they hired whoever the general manager is. I don't even know yeah, off the top either, of my muscle honestly. guy, whatever. Yeah. Okay? I personally believe that Bill Belichick hates the New York Jets so much, 
so that he resigned for, as HC of the MYJ on a fucking napkin after one day in that organization. He hates the Jets so much. And I think that he hates the way that Adam Gase tries to run through his division and outsmart him. And the fucking miracle of Miami late last season, coming in, talking a lot of big game. I like That just the game last night, that that debacle was because of Belichick's complete dislike for him and for the Jets organization. And you know what? Tough shit. I think you bring up a good point about the Miami miracle because... While I don't, I disagree a little bit, I don't think Bill Belichick spends his precious time thinking about Adam Gase. I do think, and we're going to talk a little bit about this later, that Belichick's on another level this year, and he is on a mission to achieve something he's never achieved. And the Miami Miracle stole the number one seed from them last year. Yep. Uh, there's a little bit of a grudge there, and you're never the best at what you do if you can't hold a little bit of a grudge. We know he can do that. I think my biggest takeaway from this entire thing is that this is the biggest difference between an excellent head coach and someone who doesn't know what they're doing, especially with young talent like Sam Darnold. If you are the head coach of an NFL team and you have a player like Sam Darnold who is super talented, super motivated, and just got his ass handed to him on national television, and on top of it had NFL films kind of give him a little bit of a middle finger, you go in and you say, listen, this is the kind of shit that you build that chip on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? Yep. How are we going to be better yep. going out of this? How are we going to show the league that they made a mistake by trying to embarrass you? I'm going to get on that podium and pretend like it never happened. And when they ask me about it, I'm going to tell them that I'm on a Cincinnati or whatever fucking game they're playing next, right? I'm going to make sure that that is, is all it is is locker room fodder for us and the rest of the world will never hear how we react to it. You're my guy. I have your back. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks. This locker room and the guys in it and Le'Veon Bell and these dudes who've gone to back for you, that's what matters. And instead, he went on the podium and he allowed the rest of us to look at him and say, you're a joke because he acknowledged it and he whined about it and he complained about it. And that was the biggest mistake he could have made. And it's a discredit to Sam Darnold. And it's a reminder that when you give talent in this league the wrong leadership, this is what ends up happening. I have nothing else to say. That was poetic. Spooky poetic. So spooky. Yeah. No, that was fantastic. I couldn't agree more. Patriots defense now being discussed among one of the greatest defenses ever. There was a stat last night. Forget the 1985 Bears. The Patriots are the second team in NFL history with multiple, two now, 30-point road shutouts in a single season joining the 1942 Bears. We're throwing it back to the Don Julio years here. Yeah, I mean, we're going back pre- where are we AFL NFL merger. We're okay. Going back. I think this was before, I think this was when when uh this is back to like Jim Thorpe days. Like I yeah, I mean we're just, yeah, throw it back to like, yeah. you know, like wooden helmets. Courtney, I'm I'm even going to counter you. I'm going to give you a few more stats. Right. Tanya, so, give me another stat. So, the Patriots are the third team in Pro Football Reference's database yep. to allow under 50 points through their first 7 games of a season. That leads into this stat, which is they've allowed 40 points this season, and they are the first NFL team since 1934 to start a season 7-0 and allow 
fewer than 50 points. The okay. Bears and the Lions both did it in 1934. Big year for 7-0 and teams with great defenses. Oh, I know. Yeah, because there, I think that there were maybe eight teams in the NFL back then. And they were the only good ones. The Patriots' defense, fantasy football-wise, has put up 144 points. 144 points. Over 20 points per week. I think week one was the only team they had under 10 points. 144 points through seven games this year. People, fantasy people are freaking out. What? Okay, I don't even think we need to bore you with any of these numbers. This defense is fucking good. Okay, right. And it's on a historical pace. And let me to say be something even for you. better. And my thought is that the congruence of the Patriots' offense and the Patriots' defense. This is the defensive equivalent of the 2007 Patriots offense. Oh, so as good okay. as the Patriots offense saying the greatest of all time, Randy Moss, right. Tom Brady, that basically they were upended. They were. Yeah, I mean, they went 18-1, and upended by the Giants in the Super Bowl. This defense has, it has, it has basically carries the same acclaim. And my thought when I came into this podcast last week and I said, ah, you know, I think, well, you know, you and I both agreed. I think the Patriots are going to win 14 two games. 14 and 2. Tanya, I don't think that they're going to lose another game this season. I think I think Belichick is going to be out for blood. I think that he realizes how good this team is right now and I think last night flipped a switch in his mind and they're just going to destroy everyone that walks into their path this season. Yeah, I, I, th- this team is not going to lose a football game this year and they are going to win their 7th Super Bowl title. And go 19-0. I think that it's interesting because the biggest thing that people say to sort of convince themselves that maybe this defense isn't as good as we're seeing is that, hey, look at the quarterbacks they've played or, hey, look at the offenses they've played, which is it's a tempting thing to do because it's hard to really comprehend that a team that's been to three of the last five Super Bowls has somehow improved after winning their sixth Super I, Bowl it's, ring. It's just, I understand that that's hard to conceive it, of. It's hard it for me to conceive It befuddles everyone it in the media. It certainly does. And, it's not, and it, can vi- it, it defies conventional wisdom. However, when you think about how, ex- how extremely better they are, like, look at how, what they've done to these teams, okay? They have slaughtered them. They, are, they had four interceptions last night. You saw what they did against the Bills with the scoring on defense and the scoring on special teams, they all, all of these things. Yeah, yeah. So take that, okay, and say, let's say that part of it is that some of the offenses they're facing are a little dysfunctional. Maybe some of the quarterbacks aren't as good as they could be. Fine. If you reduce that production by 40 or 50% and say they're going to play against a really good team, they're not going to be as efficient, that is still... One of the better defenses in the league, regardless of who you're facing. If you take away two, touch, let's say you take away two interceptions from last night's game, you take away half the pressure they put on Sam Darnold, you take away the Kyle Van Noy fumble recovery. They are still destroying yeah. the Jets. Yeah. And in that situation, let's say that this is what we're talking about, what they're going to do against the Ravens or what they're going to do against the Eagles or what they're going to do against the Texans. You think this defense, after watching it for seven games, isn't going to still be one of the best defenses that those teams are going to face all year? You're nuts. So you have to remember this is relative. In 2007, when the Patriots were scoring 50 points a game on people, the same thing was being said, which was, well, I mean, what are the defenses they're playing? Well, this is it's it's our human inclination to look for the weakness, to look at yep. to find a way for us to rationalize what's happening. And the fact of the matter is, 
In 2007, everybody was doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're destroying everybody now, but how's this going to go in the playoffs? Well, it took him to a Super Bowl, and if David Tyree didn't have the catch of his life, they had gone undefeated. And it's funny that you say that you think Belichick's on a mission, because you wouldn't have known this, but this morning when we were in a meeting, Colin Coward sort of intimated the same thing, which is that, like, there's something up with what Belichick's doing this year. Yeah. And he, the way he's going all out and going for a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu and just giving his offense everything they need while they're dealing with injuries and recognizing what they have in the defense, I tend to agree with you. And it, it, it freaks me out to say it because I don't want to be one of those people who says it now and regrets it later. Yeah. But man, he's on a mission to prove something. And how much more does he have to prove than maybe seeing if he could actually pull off an undefeated season. I, 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 like, I say this now and all I can see mm-hmm. is them losing to the Ravens, but I'm just going to go with it. Um, but that's the thing. A, a good defense, what do we say in football? A good defense stops a great offense. I mean, I know, right. th- I understand that Lamar Jackson has put up over 2,200 yards already through seven games this He's season. Phenomenal. He has more offensive total yards personally than half of the teams in the league. Yeah. The lower half of the, of the, I mean, we talk Jets. That is remarkable. But you know what? Like, when he runs into the buzzsaw and he plays a few more games and makes a few more mistakes and Bill Belichick has the time to walk on his treadmill at 4.30 in the morning and break down game film, he's locked in. And that couldn't have been more obvious to me with that wry ass smile when he took back-to-back delay of game penalties against Adam Gase just to force them. He, I've never seen the fucking elation that was in his face. It was brilliant. It was beautiful. He wanted the shutout. He wanted the, no, he wanted the shutout, but he wanted to embarrass the, like there was something that he showed emotion and he was just like, my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Okay. There was, there's something in that one moment that's just all of a sudden that when I woke up this morning at 630 in the morning and I found out they traded for, I was like, this all makes sense. I changes my entire narrative. I see it clearly. This team is not going to lose. And this team is going to get better. We said it two weeks ago. I said, listen, in a couple of weeks, this Patriots roster is going to look very different. You're like, no, no, no. No. All right. So he picked up Mohamed Sanu, as you mentioned, for a second round pick. It's going to be fine tuning that ass. Until December. <laughs> Badass. Dadass. Dadass. Because you know that the Patriots... Tanya, do you remember the Patriots are like a perfect 16-0 in December over the last four years? They do well, not last lose. year was a rough... I mean, but they do not Miami lose games. Miami miracle and shit. They don't yeah. lose games late in the season. Not okay? this year. Not no, this but year. not ever, bro. Well, last year. I mean, I'm, last year anomaly. They still won the goddamn Super Bowl. Sure. Okay. I'm just telling you. Just okay, no. I mean, I trying understand. Trying to keep us honest. I understand, Stecky. Yes. Thanks. Ooh, Thank, you. Day Thank you. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you. You actually do. <laughs> um, this is a different team. This is a different animal. This is a different beast. Yeah. And, um, I mean, my God. And like, and my last thing that I'll say about this offense, this defense, or whatever we want to say before we move on to the teams that can beat the Patriots. Yeah. The, the video that was being passed around Twitter last night, you know, Patriots up 23 to nothing. Brady gets pressure at the line. Leonard Williams comes up from behind him, former six round overall pick, knocks him down. It gets tipped in the air. It gets intercepted. Belichick has the entire defense wrapped around him. And he is like 
he's grilling them. That is the difference. And I know that Devin McCourty, who we have later on in the show, has some very interesting things to say about the way that Belichick is running this team. That is like the game changer yeah. as to why they are so successful and will continue to be successful through the rest of the season. Yeah, his involvement, you know, Devin gets into his involvement with the team and his sort of hands-on-ness, and it's a fascinating comment that he makes, but... You know, I, I want to go back to what you're talking about with Mohamed Sanu, and it's it's funny because as much as we all want to talk about, like, oh, who could the Patriots get, and what would be a good fit, and all that stuff, nobody had Mohamed Sanu on their radar. Nobody was talking about that so as a potential underrated. trade. It was completely, it came out of nowhere. And that guy, the route runner that he is, the ability for him to hold on to the ball. He does not drop passes. He is the perfect addition. I mean, what Antonio Brown was in that s- small amount of time was really the prototype of what the Patriots wanted out of a out of another an additional wide Except receiver. Besides crazy. being batshit crazy and a, and a potential criminal. However, Mohamed Sanu is that type of player. He's not as good as Antonio Brown, but he also has not been given a lot of opportunities with the Falcons and with the Bengals before that. You know, guys who had AJ Green and Julio Jones and these deep threats. And these for the Bungles. I mean, this is going to be an inc- bungles, it's going to be a man. really interesting thing to watch because as I, I think it's I think it's so funny that we all try to figure out what the Patriots could do, and then they pull Mas- Mohamed Sanu out of that ass. Yeah, that ass. And here we are, like, oh wow, they're going to have him. We don't know what's going on with Nikhil Harry. They may or may not be bringing him back. You know, there's some We're rumors hearing, that yeah, right. Rumors, We're, some some rumors out there that maybe Nikhil Harry isn't fitting the system as quickly as Bill Belichick wanted, and not happy with him. Know, Bill doesn't. But like as our him, guy, our friend Chris Morrissey pointed out, a couple of really good jump ball catches in the end zone can change Bill Belichick's yep, mind real yep, quick. Yep. Um, Josh Gordon will hopefully get healthy. He's dealing with a couple of injuries right now. You know, we get either Isaiah Wynn or James Devlin back, and all of a sudden, you've got you. You now have to cover Julian Edelman, Mohamed Sanu, Josh Gordon, whatever Philip group Dorsett, they're throwing out Kobe on tight Myers. end. Like then you've got James White and Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle ran for forty six yards and three touchdowns. They all they did all night was stop Sony Michelle from running between the 20s, and they still couldn't stop him in the end zone. This is a team that is very underrated on offense because of what the defense is doing. You hear people talking all day today about how the Tom Brady is going to get carried to a, to another Super Bowl on the back of the defense. I don't know what game they were watching last night, but that dying to Philip Dorsett in the end zone oh was not God. a guy who was getting carried to anything because I watched Peyton Manning get carried to a Super Bowl in 2015 and that is not what we're watching right now. That, that, that just gave me the biggest I mean I'm sorry aren't you engaged? <laughs> no I'm, I'm the single one over here. I'm talking about the sports motor. I mean but like literally <laughs> I just uh, the back and that's another thing too Tom Brady uh, we almost believed four, three years ago I was standing at the Patriots parade in 2016 for NFL Network saying Tom Brady is in the late autumn of his career. Could this be it? Okay, this guy, three and a half years later, is on the field, 42 years old, 
throwing dimes. Undefeated. Tanya, like, I mean, the back shoulder fade. That was a Randy Moss catch. He, like, I mean, that was no, a... No, but not even Randy. that. The, the ball, you forget, when you mentioned all the Patriots offensive players, your favorite guy, Brandon Bolden. All of a Ooh, sudden, yeah. he was a power rusher for years. I'm not saying he was an every down back, but I mean, no. this guy was... This guy would hit you in the mouth and hit you hard. And now all of a sudden he's like the number one screen target for the Patriots. Like, yeah, I mean, it's funny because after after this weekend with the six touchdown performance by Aaron Rodgers, he's now in the MVP conversation. And you know what? Maybe it's deserved. Maybe it's not. He had a great game. But I watched his throws and I watched some of the things people were freaking out about. And they were excellent throws. They were like. You know, Aaron Rodgers is an excellent talent. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. No, there's nothing, I have nothing bad to say about the guy in terms of his ability. But then you get, you wake up this morning and people are like, oh, you know, uh, Tom Brady, you know, they don't even really need him because of this defense. And it's just like, what? I don't know Dude, what you are watching. Switching. The national media needs to stop switching their goddamn narrative. It's, and it's just like, I, th- there are some, there are some things that the Patriots do on offense that I think Josh McDaniels and Belichick get credit for. That really, that credit should go to Tom Brady. His uh, his desire to hand the ball off to Sony Michelle with two yards rather than sneak it in himself. His ability to take a play call and to recognize what's going on and, and the best way to get in the end zone, regardless of the situation. The things that he does on a day to day basis are so underrated. And I don't want to be one of those Patriots fans that says Tom Brady's underrated in any way because everybody mostly acknowledges at this point that he's the greatest of all time. But there are things that he's doing, decisions he's making on that field that have nothing to do with anything other than he is a masterful football player still. And while you see some certain things that might be declining, his ability to lead and his constant work on his physicality and his ability to stay on the field is should never ever be underestimated and if a single person tries to say that they are being that the offense is being carried to to another playoff i have to look at them and say who scored 33 points last night because the defense was incredible and they did every single thing they were supposed to do and beyond but all 33 of those points were offensive points so let's move beyond that narrative that this isn't a dual effort on on both sides of the ball and also on special teams where Jake Bailey punts his ass off and where Matthew Slater is recovering, you know, muffed punts and scoring touchdowns and everything else. This is a full team effort front to back. And if you're scared of this team, then you should be. The last thing I'll say, um, you know, I, I was getting my morning matcha because I'm just like that LA girl. That oh just yeah. You're, you're, matcha. Ma- you're matcha. I'm a, I'm a matcha girl. Um, and one of the guys at the front, I was telling, you know, I was telling them what I do. And the, one of the guys at the front, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. We were just, I mean, we we're having just a, like a, a bro conversation. Yeah. And, he, and he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm just really worried, you know, what's going to happen. That this is all going to disappear when Bill Belichick uh, retires. And I looked at him and said, um, I don't know if you saw this this morning, but um, when on, on the Patriots conference call with Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, who is, I'm pretty sure that everyone can somewhat agree the fact that he didn't take the Colts job. He is the heir apparent yeah. to the Bill Belichick um, head coaching position. Mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels uh, acknowledged that he was aware that the Patriots may have acquired Mohamed Sanu. Would not comment this morning um, until it's official because he's been in the film room since 4:30 this morning. Yeah, working on 
the Browns film tape. Mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels, I mean, the, what, they probably came back from New York at 1.30 in the morning and he's back in the film room at 4.30? Right. Come on. Get out of here. I don't know. I mean, like, are, are we going to sit here and, and overreact and freak out, you know, in a couple of weeks if they lose a game no. to the Chiefs or the Browns? No, I mean, not. I, I really, we're honestly, not. I just, I think the, the, the fact of the matter is that the, we're standing by everything that we believe in and every Durant that we just went on and to, to believe that this team I, has done enough to be set in their ways and that's the culture and that's like, I, that, it's just, it's embedded. And they're just, they're not going to stop until they win their seventh Super Bowl title. Yeah, and I mean, there's, you know, people have made this point, but I'll reiterate it, which is the Patriots in the next five weeks are going to face most of the teams that they would run into in the playoffs. The Ravens, the Texans, the Chiefs, they're going to face all those teams. Do you know what happens when Belichick gets a chance to play you in the regular season and then sees you in the postseason? When he gets a chance to diagnose you in the regular season, he sees what you do, he sees what your personnel... You're so right. Then all of a sudden... You're in the postseason. You're like the worst thing that could happen to you is if Belichick's already gotten a chance to play you. Even yep. if you've beaten him, it's that's it's a whole new game. So yep. they that's already another advantage. If they lose, they could lose all three of those games. They could lose to the Ravens, Texans, and Chiefs. Be thirteen and three, still get the first round by, and then kick all their asses in the playoffs. That's the that is the reality we're looking at now, Courtney. We've done enough talking about this team. We're gonna let Devin McCourty. The defensive player of the year thus far. Yep. Speak on the team himself. We have an excellent interview for you guys. We really hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here is Devin McCourty. Well, it is an honor and a pleasure on the Fox and Fallon podcast to welcome in Patriots All-Pro quarterback, Devin McCourty. I, I, I would say like you're like the artist formerly known as Jason McCourty's roommate. Is that correct, Dev? Nah, no one's ever known me as that. Probably uh, if you reverse that, they might know him as that. I had a feeling you might say that when I fed Corny that line earlier. I was like, oh, yeah, no, he'll totally appreciate this See, one. look, she's just a wow. He just calls me out big time. Um, <laughs> That's you know like listen that's what you got to do you invite one of your friends on the podcast uh you got to embarrass them so um Tanya take it away ask Dev the first question after a huge win last night Devin so thank you so much for coming on the podcast um the first one listen we gotta take it back to 2010 um that's the year you were drafted and it also happens to be the last time that Bill Belichick called the defense what is different this year with Belichick calling the defense in 2019 from nine years ago and from you when, when you both started this whole journey? Uh, I would say it's been cool this year just to see uh, kind of the group effort. You know, um, Bill's been more hands-on, um, but, you know, it's not to take away from uh, what Gerard and Steve have done, um, you know, in the meeting rooms, uh, calling calls on the sideline, being able to get everybody on the same page. So, um, I think it's been a total group effort. You know, obviously everyone knows Bill's probably one of the greatest minds ever coached the game, uh, especially on defense. So to have him and to have him as a resource and him always chiming in, it's been awesome for us as a defense, man. He gives you a lot of leeway on uh, how he wants you to play things. So we've, we've taken ownership of the defense and uh, it's worked out well so far. Do you believe that this 2019 Patriots defense could be the greatest Belichick defense of all time? Uh, I'm not getting into all that. There's a lot of uh, experts. You know, there 
there's a lot of defenses that I didn't watch that were before my time, so I can't speak on that. And we're only seven games in, so yeah. we gotta we gotta play a lot more good football to even be considered in that. All right. Well, I mean, I guess my follow up is that what do you guys talk about in your meetings and your locker room? I mean, just between the group of the group of you guys, practically all of them from Rutgers. I mean, you go back really, really far. Like, how do you guys kind of picture what's the mindset of the secondary? Uh, to make sure that this is one of the best defensive performances that you guys have put on. Uh, as a secondary man, it's been it's been awesome just to get you know really the same guys back from last year, and you add Terrence Brooks and uh, Jawan in there. Um, but we've kind of just been on the same page, you know. I think we work really hard um, at trying to you know do things not just you know within our game plan, but to kind of watch film together and think of other things that we can do. Um, that teams haven't seen. So um, I think that gives us, uh, you know, gives us a great challenge, but we enjoy that. You know, we got a lot of older guys in that room um, that take pride in being able to study the game um, and come up with different ways to play. So um, we got a competitive group, but we crack a lot of jokes. So <laughs> I would say the best part is we, we really enjoy each other's company um, and have an opportunity to compete. Well, like a pro, you actually transitioned right into my next question. We saw what it meant for you to win a Super Bowl with your twin brother Jason last year, and that would be the mountaintop for any other player in this league. Um, instead, you're following it up with the best start to any season of your career. Um, is it crazy for me to assume that having Jason on the team has not just helped you elevate you know, your connection on the team and being a leader, but also how you're playing? Yeah, I mean, you, you get an opportunity to play with someone um, that's seen your ups and downs, knows your strengths and weaknesses, um, and then most importantly, it will hold you accountable, you know, over everyone else. Um, I, I think it forces you to play, you know, better football. And, you know, both of us now, 32 years old, and to still be out here competing and playing at a high level, um, it, it's just a great feeling. You know, something we dreamed about as kids and never really dreamed about playing, you know, 10-plus years in the NFL um, but, you know, still being here, still, you know, doing well, it, it's just awesome. You know, our family loves it. Our mom's at all the home games. Um, you know, I think they enjoy it more than we do. So we're just trying to continue to ride this thing out until, you know, the body says no more. Yeah, your mom doesn't have to do the split jerseys anymore. She can just wear one jersey, which is exciting. And you get and you save money on babysitters, right? We try. You know, when mom comes up, she tells us right away. She comes up to enjoy the games, no babysitting. So uh, we still we still had to outsource that. All right. Well, I'm still available if you guys if you need me. Like <laughs> I, I listen. I'm I'm Back trustworthy. Up. I'm trustworthy. When I'm when I'm home, I'm willing to uh, to help out. All right. Uh, speaking of brothers and speaking of family. Um, another brother from the Rutgers University crew has been welcomed into New England this morning. The Patriots trading for wide receiver Mohamed Sanu, um, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons. Why is Bill Belichick so obsessed with guys from Rutgers? It's another one from the Greg Schiano era. And do you think that Sanu's connections to you and Deron Harmon and your brother is going to help him adjust to the offense a lot quicker? Um, I think what will really help him, he's one of the hardest working guys I've been around. You know, he's a freshman my senior year, and he always stayed in the weight room, uh, whether he was working on grit, you know, catching extra balls after practice and stuff. Um, and I think that will really bring him along. But I think the opportunity to, when you join a new team and it's all new surroundings and you got to learn everything, but to have some familiar faces with you uh, that you can lean on. Like I was already talking to him about the area and everything. Um, I think that helps you out a lot, you know, especially 
when you come, your family comes, everyone's asking you questions. You want to be able to get some answers from other people, and I think having us will definitely help him. Um, but, you know, I think his play throughout his career uh, speaks for itself, and I can't wait to just see him come here, work his butt off, and have an opportunity to help us win some football games. Are you specifically looking forward to breaking him in on the offense during practice sessions? I know that <laughs> that's got to be something that's fresh on your mind, going one-on-one. Oh, yeah, he's no different. I mean, he comes in there. We, we're not going to let him catch any balls on us in practice. Um, but, you know, we might have a period or two where we got to build up his confidence. You know, you, you always got to think about the team first. Okay. All right. Oh, wow. So you're gonna you're already putting it out there that you're okay. just gonna let him get some gimme balls in practice. Nice. I love that. I love that. Uh, well, I actually have to ask you about the linebackers have nicknamed themselves the Boogeymen, and that's a nickname that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. So you it's, agree? It really became a big story last night. It was more of a local thing. People knew their nickname, but. But everyone knows it now because of uh, a mic'd up Sam Darnold mentioning that he was seeing ghosts last night with you guys killing him in the secondary. And and then, you know, the boogeyman sort of, sort of just worked into the spooky Halloween theme of the whole thing. So you guys obviously find it corny, okay? I want to know, I've been trying to get this nickname started for the Patriots defense and no one will go for it. But I'm trying to nickname the de- defense the Limit Men, you know, as an homage to the Minute Men. And I'm thinking maybe you take it back to your guys and see what they think about taking that nickname for yourselves. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think that one's going to go back. <laughs> All right. He just, he just said a flat out zero. What, so what's so corny about the boogeyman? You guys aren't feeling yeah, it. Yeah. Why do you, why do you guys, I think it's cute. It's not you guys. It's just me. You can't, you can't name yourselves and then try to run with it. It's just, ah, it doesn't work that much. Okay. Okay. I'm, but I'm, I'm that guy in the locker room. I kill everybody's, you know, dreams and things they come up with. So uh, I got to just continue my role. I know. I love that. I love that. Our last question before we go, um, the, the back-to-back delay of game calls, Bill Belichick, um, doing some pretty quirky things. He loves to pull things, rabbits out of a hat, go deep into the playbook. I, it reminds me of the intentional safety in the Super Bowl a couple years back. People were like, wow, they took an intentional safety, but I mean, really, it just gave the ball. But it allowed, it allowed you guys to win the game against the Seahawks. Um, are, what when Bill does these things, he gets a kick out of it. Uh, it. You know, clearly on national TV, obviously you guys didn't see. It was just this huge wry smile. What's going on on the sidelines when this is all happening? Like, do you see it? Do you see? Do you see the elation? Do you know what's going on? Or are you just kind of uh, locked in? Uh, sometimes I know some of the things he's thinking just because we're always going over situations. Um, at the end of the game, I think that was just clocking, trying to get some room for Jake to punt. Um, but I'm not 100% sure because he's always thinking uh, about 10 to 20 steps ahead of where everybody else is on the sideline. So uh, I'm not completely sure. But, uh, I mean, he knows the rule book better than anybody. He, yeah. he fully understands uh, what you can and can't do. So uh, hats off to, to Bill. He, he knows that. That's why he's the GOAT. Well, Devin, I have to tell you, if you go and look at the pictures and video of Bill smiling, he, you know, you might have not have seen it on the sideline, but he definitely knew what he was doing. He was getting a kick out of himself. It was, you know, there's, you guys have to have a, the rivalry is still real regardless of the final score. So he was, he was enjoying it. And I, and 
that does that does any level of that ever reach the locker room where you guys are you know you're in a divisional game and regardless of how it goes the win feels extra special yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a rivalry between the two teams. I think it, it just goes along with, you know, all of the Boston, New York, you know, rivalries throughout all sports. So anytime, you know, they beat us or we beat them, I think both teams uh, take a great amount of joy in that. So uh, to go down there and play on the road on a Monday night game, we had a lot of fun um, and very exciting. But, you know, when you play Monday night, the thing that sucks is you don't have much time to celebrate because, you know, we're already a couple of days behind with Cleveland having a bye week. So we've been pretty locked in today uh, just moving forward. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things that, you know, when you embarrass a, a rival, and this is me speaking, not not you. You know, when you embarrass a rival on Monday Night Football, it's like it's like a full-on floating feeling for the entire week. But if that's not how you feel, that's the rest of Patriots Nation. <laughs> yeah. um, they are thanking you today. Interception number five. I mean, I'm expecting at least five more. This is like a, the, the best is going to go down all pro season for Devin McCourty. Uh, thank you for joining us. And in the in the words of your favorite basketball player, who is also kind of a bitch, Kevin Durant, <laughs> you the real MVP, Dev. You the real MVP. So far, we're yeah. You, you, we know you won't say it about yourself, so we're going to say it for you on behalf of Patriots Nation. Yeah. MVP of the season so far. I know that, you know, Jason McCourty is not going to be down for hearing that, so we'll see what he does in response. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. You guys have a good one. You too. Thank you, Thanks, Dev. One of my good friends for over 10 years. So happy to have him on the podcast. It's just, I think that's huge for us. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, just, I love every, I love, I love the pat on the back of like, Great interview by us. Yeah. <laughs> we nailed it, guys. No, we did. Listen. We did. What can we say? What Listen, can we I don't, I mean, here's the we're thing. what we do. Wait, at the beginning of this podcast, we had a lot of, we were like, oh, we got to get a guest. We got to get a guest. And then, I don't know. I'm not saying that we're getting lazy, but I think that we're just getting into the groove of like, I just, we, I, we love to hear ourselves talk and I don't think we need anyone to, to join in unless it's a massive breaking story that needs, you know. Yeah. Well, and I mean, listen, not a lot of people can say what we want to say better than us. If you want something done right, you do it yourself. Hell yeah, girl. Hell yeah. Um, All I'm going to say is we're on to the Browns. The World Series is this week. I would love, if we can get a chance, I would love to do some World Series talk because um, God knows I love baseball. And what's happening with the Houston Astros and that alleged sexual harassment with one of their assistant GMs in the locker room, a story put out by Sports Illustrated, the team verbally refuting the story and the account um, is just, um, is embarrassing. And I think that's something that Tanya, you say that um, is a really, really bad omen for the Astros. They're, they're just that one of those teams. They haven't won. They've got a real Red Sox vibe about them. Yeah. They, you know, and, yep. and they've got a, a couple of really young guys that are going to be superstars in this league. They have old veterans who are ready to go. They have some future Hall of Fame pitching. I know that the Astros have the pitching. They have Garrett Cole. They have Verlander. They have their the, Zach Greinke. But Scherzer and, and Strasburg are no slouches themselves. Yeah, yep, yep. You know, so this is going to be a pet pitching matchup for the ages. And at the end of the day, I've seen Hart win. I've I've watched the Kansas City Royals win playing like basically the the 1970s version of baseball with a bunch of dudes who came up together. If you have an, the right chemistry, everything can go your way. And I think it's in the Nationals' year. All right. Well, without further ado, we'll give you that. We give it the start of NBA season. It's a good time to be a sports fan here. 
time. Yeah. Okay, we love you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our interview. And we will talk to you in episode 30. Bye. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Bye. That was too much. I didn't need to do that. Ciao, 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 ciao. All right. Adios. 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 Bye. 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 Tacos and tequila. Oh, it's Taco Tuesday. Hell yeah. Yeah. I'm out on LeBron. Okay. Yeah, me too. Same. Bye.